Welcome to What They Never Told Us, the podcast where we explore our own personal journeys in the hopes to give you some insight into your own narrative. I'm your host, Sasha, licensed mental health counselor. And I'm your host, Crystal, licensed social worker. Yes, we are mental health professionals. However, we are not experts on anyone else but ourselves. You are the only expert on you. The information shared or discussed on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Hello and welcome back to another episode. Today we are going to be finalizing the identity series. So now you're just going to know everything about us. Um, I'm actually really excited and I know we say that all the time, but I'm really excited to talk about myself. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) I'm really excited because uh, today we're going to be discussing the mental health counselor in us. And um, for me, this is absolutely huge. But as always, before we begin, we're going to do a check-in. So Crystal, my darling, my boo, my love, my love, how are you doing? Thank you for all the wonderful descriptions, you know, my love and all that stuff. But I would like to issue a correction that I am a social worker, not a mental health counselor. Like, don't be putting me in the same group as you. But anyways... My bad. Your clinical skills are just so on point. I thought you were like me. <laughs> no, no, don't put us in the same. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, I don't know. Like today, in terms of the check-in, today I'm like very neutral. Like, oh yeah, like you know, not good, not bad, just in the middle, neutral. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm hesitating because I want to be a therapist and I think I'm going to go for it. Do you think there's a, that we could really just not feel period? Like there's a, that neutral is a feeling or is it something else or am I I probing too much? No, no, no. no. I mean, I don't, I don't know if being neutral, I don't know if we cannot feel, um, I think we're humans. Um, but I do feel like being neutral can be a feeling like that in and of itself. Hmm. I guess because, like, I just, like, I, I'm happy it's the weekend. You know, like, the work week is over. I feel like I, you know, I mentioned this in the last, like, last week's episode. Just kind of waiting for the days to, you know, the days until I get a break. So I think, like, I'm happy that it's the weekend and I don't have to think about work and I don't have to, like, show up and I can just do whatever I want. So I I do think that there's that. And I just don't feel bad. Like, I don't feel sad. I don't feel anxious. But I don't feel like I'm on top of the world either. So I feel like it's just this, like, maybe neutral is not the best word, but this kind of, like, basic... I don't know. Basic is a bad word, too. But just this... You're this, not basic. Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> I'm just kidding. You should see Sasha's face like, okay. You know, she's like, okay, girl. You're that, yo, you're my friend. You're, you're not, ba- you're not, none of my friends are basic. That's true. But yeah, I think it's just this feeling of kind of being in the middle somewhere. And I think that in and of itself can be a feeling for sure. Yeah. I, the reason I, I guess I poked at it a little more is because I think that I, as a therapist, I tend to hear, and even in the job that I do now, because I'm not technically working one-on-one with individuals in the same way that you would expect a therapist to, I tend to see that a lot of people will say like, oh, I'm not feeling anything or I'm feeling in the middle. 
And I think it has a lot to do with this expectation, which you said, funny enough, you were like, I'm not feeling extra happy or like sad, where in order to feel there, there has to be this kind of extreme, but sometimes feeling satisfied or feeling, and you also said you're happy that it's the weekend. That's happy, right? It's not this elated feeling and overjoyed kind of, oh, yay, it's the weekend, but it's, it's nice. It's relaxed. It's, it's good. It's positive. And I think that us, especially now, we miss a lot of that because we have these high expectations of I got to be on high, uh, happy, right? Or I got to be chilling with my friends. And sometimes it's just, it's nice to just be happy in a relaxed state. And a lot of people don't describe that as happy. But the older I get, I will say, I d- yo, when I'm relaxed and chill, that is a happy place. Yeah, no, I think that's an excellent point that you bring up. And I'm glad that you know, like even just bringing it to my attention about it being happy um, or or being a positive space to be in. Because I think you're right. And I do agree with you 100% that we don't, you know, like if we're in this like satisfied state, we just, we don't classify it as a good thing. I'm glad that you brought that up and that you challenged me, <laughs> challenged me a bit on that. <laughs> um, but now I'm going to challenge you. Uh, how are okay. you doing? Uh, well, I have a lot of feelings right now. I I think I'm someone who's very sensitive. And, you know, I, I've been doing this for a long time in regards to checking in with myself and seeing how I feel. So, like, I can spot it. I can spot something that hurts my soul almost immediately. And it's not necessarily anything that's going on in my life personally. It's, you know, everybody, this is the, the time that I admit to you that I am crazy sensitive and I can't watch the news because of that and there were a couple things uh, that I saw in the news this week along with the fact that I am seeing firsthand the effects the negative effects of this pandemic and what it has done to a neighborhood that I, I have a lot of love for and then I think about the rest of the world and people who are not privileged and a lot comes up for me because I'm in a good place thank god And so is my family. And, you know, there's some guilt coming up, right? Why me? And why is it that I'm special? You know, not to say that I'm special, but what sets me apart from other human beings? And I genuinely believe that, like, you know, we're all humans. So we, we have certain needs that should be met. And when they're not, it hurts me, even if I don't know the person. So I've been just kind of sad, acknowledging that, it's not my sadness, but it still lives with me. And it's, it's, it's definitely had, effect, had an effect on my mood this week. Thank you for, for sharing that, because I do think that it is hard. We've had a lot happen in 2020 and just kind of seeing where we go from here and how do we move forward and do things get better. And I do feel like we've had front row center to a lot of the injustices that have been happening in the world. And I don't think that anyone who's attuned to themselves or just any sort of sympathy or empathy for others can really say with with 100% certainty that that doesn't affect them to a certain degree, whether it's conscious or unconscious, whether it's like you feel sad or you're like, well, I don't ever want to be in that situation. So you work extra hard to make sure you don't find yourself in a situation where you can experience any sort of challenges or, you know, you get motivated to be an agent of change. Like, And those are just a few examples, but I don't think that you can kind of walk away from these things without it affecting you in some sort of way. So I do appreciate you being just honest about uh what's going on 
Yeah, and I just want to add the piece that these things, you know, were always going on. Now they're just more visible because of the mm-hmm. state we're in. So, but it, and you know, but that's such a therapist thing to say, which I mean, essentially, that is what, even though Crystal doesn't claim it, that is what we are, because uh, she has really good clinical skills, and I, I think that this is just a huge part of who we are, especially now in the present time of our lives yeah i mean i feel like that also segues perfectly into what we're going to be talking about today which is how did we even become mental health professionals how did we get here you know um what were the aspects of our lives that affected us what was our journey um and i think just talking about our journey specifically is a good place to start so do you want to kick it off Sure. I'll tell everybody that I've been wanting to be in psych since I was seven years old, literally. And (laughs) it's funny because I used to feel really proud of that. Like, yeah, I've been I wanted to do this since I was seven and not realizing that because of the way I grew up and the role that I played in my family. That is why I knew I was good at this job, because I was always the intermediate person. I was always the person who see problems from a different perspective. And I I always had that skill at a young age. I don't know if I had that skill or if I was made to have that skill because of my environment. However, I think psych has always been something that I've gravitated towards ever since I was little. And I remember my uncle from my mother's side one time asking me, the reason I remember my age was he asked me to write in a book, like, what do you want to be? And in that book, I just kept writing the line, I want to be a psychologist when I grow up. And I'm not a psychologist because I don't have my PhD, but I'm just as good as one. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Uh, So it seems like you knew from a very early age that you wanted to to do that. So I feel like my journey is definitely a little different because I didn't always think that I wanted to do this when I was younger. I thought when I was like younger, younger, I'm talking about like elementary school when you can be like literally anything you want in the world and there's like no barriers in your mind to achieving those things. Uh, I definitely wanted to be more of like a dancer or just do something in the entertainment business. Like I love music. I love like watching movies. I didn't watch like a lot. I wasn't like I had this whole movie collection, but what I did have, like I loved, I loved it. And then then I get to junior high school and I think that that's where things changed course for me I think like I was a little bit older so I was like well like I'm not going to be a dancer that didn't seem like a viable career and I don't think that anyone in my life when it came to being creative or when it came to non-traditional you know careers which is maybe like being creative a movie director things like that like those were not things that my first generation latinx family was like yeah that's that's a career go ahead and do that for them it was more like you need an office job and and we kind of talked about this in the first gen piece so uh and then it was also about making money so my uncle at the time when i was younger he worked in computers so i was like oh I'll, i'll go into computers like it's the next big thing and I'll make a lot of money, which I mean, I guess I could have still done that, like definitely would have still made a lot of money. But I think like at, at 11, life changed for me. I experienced a lot of trauma when I was 11. That's when 9-11 happened. So I feel like New York City and the U.S. took a turn. The whole world changed. Um, and then I'm not going to get into it too much. 
I just experienced a lot of trauma and deaths in the family and things like that at 11. So I think after that, my world was not the same. So even though for a while I still kept saying, oh, I want to go into computers, uh, I do feel like on a subconscious level, that's when a shift started to happen to happen for me. So people used to come to me for advice. I do not know why. I don't remember giving solid advice ever when I was younger. So I'm, I'm not sure. But I do feel like there was always a part of me that had a lot of compassion and empathy for other people. So maybe that's what people were picking up on. Because uh, I do think that that's inherent in who I am, no matter what direction I would have gone in career-wise. So all that to say, at some point, I was like, oh, you know, I'll go into psych. I'll become a psychologist as well. I thought I was going to get my PhD. And I feel like it's real easy to give up on that dream when you've been in school for years. And you're like, man, is there a shortcut here? Like, <laughs> I don't know if I want to get my yeah. PhD. Because that's a lot of school. And I was sick of school by the time that I made it to grad school. So for my undergrad, I got a psych degree. And then it wasn't... So I was going to go forward with the whole psychologist thing. But I think when I got to to college, I was like, man, I don't know how much more of this I can take. Like, I don't know how much more school I can take. And I remember... I was part of this like alumni group thing, like a alumni mentorship program at school, which was terrible. They didn't really do a good job at <laughs> organizing it. But the lady that I was paired up with, I only met with her and I only talked to her once because she changed my life because she was like, well, you can always go into social work if you don't want to do if you don't want to be in school for so long, because at the end of the day, if you're a social worker, you have a lot of different avenues. You can do like case management, you can, you know, run an organization or you can go ahead and get a clinical license and, you know, still do the similar or the same things that a psychologist can do in a so I was like, yeah, perfect. Like, let's go. <laughs> and then that's how I I ended up going into social work. And I hated grad school. I was internally kicking and screaming the whole time that I was there. I was just tired of school. And I do feel like, and I, I say this to people all the time, if you do not feel 100% sure of what you want to do in life, you know, take a gap year. I know that's that's not a privilege that everyone has, but, you know, take the time to kind of like explore what your options are before paying I don't even know how much I've paid in student loans for my grad degree but before you spend all of that money then all like I'll fast forward graduated from there had a job before I even finished my master's program like lined up worked at a nonprofit, worked at their GED program which was great so like my first year right out of social work was fantastic I really loved that job I had a lot of support and I was able to create just the like we had a lot of flexibility with the program so it was great uh things changed there I ended up going to high school that high school was terrible just because of the power dynamics and the people that I worked with um, didn't create a safe environment for for the staff or for the students in my very personal opinion and then I switched out of social work so that's why when Sasha's like oh she has great clinical skills I'm like I don't even practice so I and my job doesn't necessarily require me to have a social work degree it helps because I work with people but I don't necessarily need this degree um and I think I got the job that I have now because I was I needed an out I needed to understand like is it social work is it this job 
you know, like, is it the field? Like, what is it? Like, uh, what is it that is affecting me? And I think like for the first year at the job that I have now, I just kind of focused on the job. And it wasn't until after a year or so that I had clarity that I was like, well, I don't ever want to go back to practicing social work in its traditional sense. But I do feel like I do have a knack for this. Um, I do have a passion for helping people. And I think that you know, I just thought like there has to be another way to use these skills that's not in the traditional sense. And I'll I'll wait because I feel like I've been talking a lot to kind of talk about what using my degree in a non-traditional way has meant for me and how that's affected me and how I've internalized that. Um, but that's my my journey. I technically do not work in a job that requires a mental health degree. Well, technically, if we're going to get technical here, neither do I, although that is it's a it's a requirement in the job description. Like in your job description, it required a, a mental health degree. So technically, but you do not require. You could have my job because there's no requirement of the actual practice of with different people. That's not required, um, which I think is a problem. So going back to like the requirements and stuff like that, I think that you know we all should have some kind of training within mental health and what it means. Uh, and I and I do think that there's like this trend. And I, I know that Crystal could speak more to it in regards to like how people are, are just acknowledging like, oh shit, we got feelings and we got to take care of them. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> which is it's crazy to me because if like in talking about my journey, like I've always been so sensitive that I cannot put my feelings away. And then in the times of my life when I have put them away, it has been so detrimental to any kind of progress that I was trying to make. Like it literally had set me back 10 steps. So I remember just knowing that I was very good with people. And as a little kid, I just remember like observing people. And I, my empathy skill right now is like on fucking high because literally I can't even watch TV without feeling like I'm that person. So I, I literally, I have to monitor how my empathy is being used even when I'm not doing this job. But I've always had that. And I do think that that is something that's innate. Sometimes you just kind of get it because like genetic traits or if you want to be spiritual, maybe, you know, it's a gift. I I can't tell you which one it is at this point in time of my life. I just know I have it. And I know that I've always had it. And people are literally strangers who would have been drawn to me. It's almost like the universe affirming like, yes, go do this because you're so good at it. And I know I sound cocky, but this is the one thing that I can strong, like firmly tell you I'm good at. Um, yeah, I agree 100%. I think it comes very naturally for you. Like your brain just functions in a way where you're able to collect information and spit it back out in a way that one, the person understands what they're saying and like the actual implications of it, but two, in a way that you can analyze what it truly means and dig deeper into the layers, the the other layers of it. Um, and it, it's very innate in you. Yeah, without being biased, because I think that that is the thing that a lot of people are like, they have the skill, but they put their own stuff in it. And like, I know, because I've been doing this work for so I think for so long, I say I started the work when I first started going to therapy. So I was 22. It's been a while. And I've been observing, I guess my whole life, because I literally just used to people watch. And that sounds mad weird, but it brought me joy. I don't know why. I just liked seeing people react, uh, how if they were sad, if they were happy, like what made them that way, right? Like I, I just always had that in me. And funny enough, when I got to college, I swore I was going to go into law. 
but that shit changed real fast. But I will say that I think that I have that observation piece that I have in regards to like looking at people and being curious. I think that that would have applied to law. So I think it's a personality trait usually what what steers you towards a specific job. So if you're going to be working with people, you may not like kind of like Crystal, like she does work with people. She may not be doing clinical skills per se, but because she has this skill of like working well with people and she has, she has a good gauge on like, oh, what are they feeling? How can I get this person to work most effectively when I'm with them? I think that that just helps her in her job overall. So you don't necessarily have to be in the field to have certain skills is my point. But yeah, I changed that real fast. My first semester of college, law was not a thing anymore. And I went psych all the way. I took two, three years off. No, I took four years off after I graduated undergrad. And I worked in like a law office. I mean, it was a good job at the time, but it definitely was not for me. And that was how I know I knew like, okay, I need I want to go into psych because that wasn't doing, it wasn't feeding my soul. And I knew that I couldn't see myself doing any kind of boring office job like that. So I went into grad school and I got my degree and I started working and I actually really love it. I may not like all the structure of what it looks like to be a therapist because there's a lot of rules and regulations. And and this this goes back to what Crystal was talking about in regards to the traditional sense of practicing. I think they're a little outdated. And I also think that they're limiting to a certain like demographic, like a certain group. Like, I don't think that all the rules and the regulations apply to people of color or mm. people who are um, or people who are being marginalized. Because guess what? You know, Sigmund Freud, father psychology. I sound like such a nerd. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't practicing with people of color. He was practicing with elite white men. And even women got a bad rep, at, at, like when he was practicing oh, and yeah. starting. So, so I think that I am not with all the traditions and the rules, and I, I am a little different when I practice. However, I think it's necessary. So I don't, I don't mind that people are out of the tra- like. I think when you're too much in the traditional, like you're too much of a therapist in the traditional sense, you may be harming the people you work with more than helping them. At this point in time of um, our world. Yeah, no, I agree. I will really quickly to go back to the whole lawyer thing. I feel like if you would have been a lawyer, you would have definitely like <laughs> used some like crazy, like not crazy in, in a bad way, but like some crazy like, well, this is this and this and this and and therefore I'm right. And everyone would been like, shit, <laughs> like, I feel like you would have won everything. <laughs> You know what's so funny though? That's how I sound now. You do. That's <laughs> like what I'm saying. Like you, that's exactly what would have happened, and you'd have been like, "But this is this happens, therefore this happens, and this is how people react, and therefore this applies, this law applies, and therefore." But and I would have been like, "Oh shit, look at this girl go!" And therefore, uh, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about because I still do that shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I like just to kind of like backtrack. I do agree that a lot of the work for social workers, mental health, any mental health professional, I don't want to say that. I do think that there's been more of a movement to do alternative forms of therapy. Cause I think that when we, we look back at very traditional ways, like psychodynamic therapy and cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy, like they're great. And I think those are excellent foundations for the work that we do now. But now we see all different, like, you know, art therapy, yoga therapy. And I think like, there is a bit of a movement towards creating spaces that meet more of the needs of 
the people who need resources the most. But I do still feel like there's not enough emphasis on people of color or marginalized communities. So I agree with you 100% that we do need to make a move towards being more just open. I I will say um, I am taking a training soon. The training is called Moving from uh, Cultural Competence to Cultural Curiosity and Finding Alternative Ways of Working with People of Color and marginalized Communities. So I'm excited to do that training because I think it speaks directly to what uh, you were saying. And I will, I will <laughs> move away from all of the nerdy stuff. So I think this speaks to so much about our identity and why we chose to even get into this field. Uh, I don't know Crystal's story specifically, but for me, I remember when I, I made the choice, like I didn't want my own private office. I mean, I could, I could still do it. And I know I'd be good at it. There's nothing that's stopping me in the sense, in that sense. But I always knew that I wanted to go back and help marginalized communities like the one I grew up in. So that was always part, like that was like a, a motivation in, in me becoming a therapist and giving back which I did. And I stayed at a place for two years. And like, I helped a lot of the, the community that I grew up in, which I absolutely love the experience because I felt more connected to where I once was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that does speak to even just to kind of segue a little bit more into my personal piece about like, how did I get here? I think that growing up, I was very intuitive and in that I had a sense of Something is not right here. Like, I didn't have the language to say, this is trauma, this is bad, this is wrong. But something in me, I was like, something's not right here. So I think that's why I was mm -hmm. also very drawn to human behavior and why people do the things that they do and how does the brain work and, you know, how do people make sense of their behavior. So I also think that part of it was I needed to understand myself because I, I innately knew I'm like, something is not okay within me. Oh, yes. Yeah. So I think yes, that was yes, a yes. big, big reason. So yeah, I think learning about other people and learning about humans was also partially in an effort to help myself, to help understand myself better and to kind of get myself out of a funk. Because I think for a very long time, I, I was depressed or I had kind of like this dark cloud hanging over me where I don't think I ever lived my life to its fullest. So I think that another big piece of going into the field was like, how do I get myself and others uh, out of this? And I think that when I when I think about practicing in a non-traditional sense, I even think about this podcast, like this podcast is practicing in a non-traditional sense, because even though I'm not sitting down individually, which with each and every one of our listeners, what I have to say can provide insight for you to do your own work. And that's always been the goal of this podcast for you to listen to us and say, oh, I've experienced something similar, or this makes me think of this specific aspect of my life or this experience. And what do I do to make it better? What do I do to understand? Understand, um, and how do I kind of figure out my own journey in a way that's effective, you know, for me to get to the place that I want to be. So I completely agree with what you're saying. And it, it's interesting because the more people I meet in this field, the more I recognize that we saw we've so I always say this and like this could be controversial. But for me, psych psychology is like my religion. For a long time, it's how I lived. Um, it's it was the go to for me to figure out, okay, what's wrong? How do I, you know, decrease my anxiety? How do I get better? Because I also had a lot of depressive symptoms growing up. And it wasn't until I was 25 that I started living my life to my fullest capacity because I, I, I turned my awareness switch on because for a long time, I was just kind of living through it and not thinking about it and psych really helped me do that 
and being in therapy and being in the program helped me do that. So there's always this like selfish reason for why we go into our, this field. I feel like a lot of people think we're martyrs. Like we just out here trying to like give you our clothes off our backs and then we're left with nothing, which is a, something that I'm not happy about in the field because that is how we're treated, especially when we're first beginning. Mm. And I definitely had that experience. And it was hard for me because that, you know, my career, this mental health counselor piece, the the person in me who is so good at helping people, it is such a big part of my identity, but even more so back then. And to be treated like shit <laughs> after you have your master's and kind of be treated like you ain't nothing and you're not smart and no one values what you do, that broke me a little bit. It didn't break me forever, but I definitely I definitely had a, a really rough time picking myself back up and figuring out what I was going to do next because I love what I do and I know the value of it. And the fact that that was done to me because people don't respect what we do when they have this expectation of, oh, you're so nice. You you need to be the, the one who gets it. Like, how many times do I get into arguments with people that I love and care about? And they're like, oh, but you should know better. And it's like, no, fuck you. You should know better because my ass is teaching you. So don't come and act like I'm not a fucking human being. Okay? Thank you. <laughs> so two things that, that came up for me, but I'll start with the first thing that came up is absolutely agree with you in terms of once you get your degree. I think, first of all, mental health professions like teachers and a lot of other professions that do a lot of critical work with people that help shape people are very, you know, like, you know, there's a lot of professions out there that don't get the respect. Uh, and I think mental health professionals are one of those things or one of those fields that doesn't get the respect that it deserves and I agree about similar to the martyr thing that you said but not exactly the same I think it wasn't so much that I was viewed as a martyr I used to say back then like do you think I have a magic wand in my back pocket that I'm gonna meet with someone for 45 minutes or however long the session is gonna be and I'm gonna wave my magic wand and all of a sudden this person's anger issues are gonna be gone and they're going to see the light and yeah. they're going to be a different human being like, son, I do not have a magic wand in my back pocket. How am I going to do however many years, 18, 20, whatever, how many, however many years this person has been on this earth? How am I going to undo all of that in one freaking session? Mm, yes. And I used to I used to literally be told like I remember once I had an incident in one of my old jobs in the high school where it was like it was it was so ridiculous. But it was like, OK, you know, sometimes I would do sessions with students or meet with students one on one. And then there was lunch. So a lot of times the sessions would flow into lunch and because, you know, like we weren't done talking. We kind of were still in the middle of processing. All of a sudden there was a rule where I couldn't do that anymore. Like I couldn't go into into the lunch period like it had to end whenever the period ended. So I remember in an effort to follow the rules and, you know, be a good employee. I was meeting with the student. She was experiencing a lot of anger issues. I was not done with my work with her, but the bell rang. So I was like, you know what? Like, well, let's go to lunch. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back to this after lunch so she gets to lunch her anger is still boiling because I wasn't done um and then she gets into a fight with someone else like a physical fight with someone else mm. and then the dean goes like she met with you why you know like why didn't you you know fix this and I'm like you didn't even let me finish my session like you're the one who implemented this ridiculous ass rule that I couldn't yeah. continue my session and then I'm getting blamed because I wasn't able to manage her her anger again kind of like do you expect me to have this magic wand in my back pocket that 
talking to me is supposed to all of a sudden make this individual like the happiest human being on the earth and that's not the case at all I just quickly want to say that I think that that expectation is so crazy it's absolutely ridiculous because a we don't get respect in, in our field like Mental health is the last thing people think about, right? But then when people hear, oh, this person is seeing you, they expect, they're like, oh, they're in men- they're in counseling. Like, why aren't they better? And it's like, because you don't fucking care about counseling. That's why. Because there's no resource. There's, there's a lot that needs to be fixed within our field because people think that like, oh, just because they sit and they talk about their feelings, voila, it's gone. And actually, no, it's a system. It's a systems issue. I could, I, I love what I do. And I am so firm on the fact that what I do helps the world. And I don't, no one's else, no one else is going to change my mind at this point in time in my life. But the fact that the society is not on board with that is extremely frustrating. And that is something that I experience every single day as somebody who values psych and getting to know yourself. Yeah. And I think with this pandemic, we've also seen a little bit of like, oh, people need, you know, these resources and an outlet to kind of get things out. So my hope is that along with, uh, the mental health movement that that helps to kind of elevate what people in the profession are doing and kind of is able to get us a little bit more respect but we'll see the other piece that I did want to bring up before when you were talking the first time um, was the fact that because we're mental health professionals that means that we're not supposed to have any issues which is funny because a lot of times when you speak to mental health professionals, the reason that they got into the field was because of something that they experienced oh, or because yes. they were affected by something grand. Like, I feel like 90% of mental health professionals experience some sort of adversity or challenge or trauma that motivated them to come into this space. Um, so I think that for me, I used to get really annoyed uh, when people would say, but you're, but you're a therapist or you're a, you know, you're a social worker, you should know better. Or, you know, one time when I told my mom that I was still in therapy, cause she didn't realize that I was still going to therapy. She's like, Oh, you're still crazy. <gasps> yeah. So oh my God. I think, yeah. So it was something I that so really, offended. I'm so offended for you. So, and, and I think that also speaks to a little bit about the stigma, mental health, like the stigma of seeing a mental health professional within the Lionx community. And it's not even just in the Lionx community. I can only speak to it so personally from the Lionx perspective. But yeah, like, you know, even just looking at it from from that perspective, that because you're a mental health professional of any sort, that you're not supposed to have any issues. And then, But then also I do at some point want to come back to the whole mental health movement. It's funny because when you're talking about, you know, how people expect us to be on point because we are therapists and like, oh, we studied this and we know better. It reminds me of also this feeling that I used to get, especially when I first started, because I didn't know how to manage it, where people would literally tell me like, oh, don't be a therapist right now. And that shit would piss me off. And now God bless the person who comes across, like who comes and tells me that because I will freaking... I'll go off on them, not in like a negative way, but I will tell you exactly through my training, why is it that I sound like a therapist right now with you when I'm supposed to be acting like a whole ass human being? Uh, I think that a lot of people, and I said this earlier, a lot of people don't recognize that our personality traits are what drive us to certain careers. 
So me observing people, me being no understanding that I, I could feel what people felt, you know, I couldn't, I didn't have the words for empathy, but I knew it was a thing. Me just trying to problem solve my family's problems, me trying to figure out how the fuck I could be better because that was something that I've always wanted to do. I always wanted to progress and it has been in me since I was little. I, I think that those are the things that make me a therapist because technically my training was two years in a master's program, but life trained me. For you to ask me to put my, you know, quote unquote, psychologist cap or however we say it, the therapist cap, I think, I think that's so corny, uh, but to put it away when I'm just being me and you don't recognize that I'm not trying to analyze you or give you therapy. It's just, I'm a curious person at nature. I, I find it disrespectful because how about an accountant, right? Accountants are analytical. They're not too social. They kind of, they, they're very like black and white thinkers. And when they go home, they're still maybe not as social. They still probably have like their drawers all nice and organized a certain way because that's how they feel good about themselves. But it doesn't translate as, it doesn't look like, oh, you should leave your job at home because they're not working with numbers all the time. The reality about our job is that we work with people all the time. And guess what? In our personal lives, we're still dealing with people because we are social beings. So the lines are blurred and the lines are blurred because we are human and we choose to get into this field with other people. It has nothing to do with the fact, and I'm a little angry because I'm here, all those people telling me to leave that, leave it at home, but it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm bringing my work into my personal life. Don't get it twisted. I am in this job because it fits me and my personality. And to those who are listening, you are in your job because it fits you and your personality as well. Well, hopefully. Some people are just working to get a paycheck. But um, but I agree with you. Like a lot of times, you know, like whatever works for you in terms of your career definitely has to do with who you are as an individual. You know, like your characteristics, your personality. So I agree. And I think that you know, just to kind of bring your point home a little bit more, who you are, like you show up like as Sasha, as the critical thinker everywhere you go. So I think that people think that it's, I think that people want to think that it's you taking work and bringing it home with, because I think sometimes you, (laughs) and you do this to me sometimes, you bring the hard dose of truth and people people are not ready. (laughs) Like people are just not ready, I think. So they're like, leave that at work and not realizing like, but this is literally who you are as a human and as a person. Yeah, that part of me that brings a hard dose of truth, I've always been that person. And I used to feel bad. Like, it, this has affected how I move in the world because I used to feel bad. Like, oh, what's wrong with me? How can I separate it? And then I would actually get more anxiety being around people. And it, in all reality, what it did was it made me feel less than still. So I felt like there was something wrong with me. So mm-hmm. I would choose to be quiet. But, like, if I think back to when I was little, yo, I remember one time my mom was lying. Um, she lied. She she told a lie to somebody because she didn't want to hang out or she didn't want to do what they asked. And my ass, I, I must have been three or four. I turned around and I was like, that's not true. You have time. And I got I got yelled at. But that's the thing. That abruptness, that that girl who brings the truth, that is part of who I am. Like, ask me to lie now. I don't know how to fucking do it. I'd rather just tell you the hard, honest truth <laughs> and let's see what happens after that. No, I agree. I think the other piece, I guess, for me personally, has been that I I do sometimes feel like I 
for you i agree 100 percent that it is part of your personality for me i will say sometimes it's been hard to turn off the social worker in me because i do try to analyze people for the most part most mental health professionals leave that at work because i think it takes a lot of effort to actively analyze and look at someone like it's different for you because it's part of your personality and it's just like boom 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 it's innate for me i would definitely try to bring that shit into like romantic relationships Mm. and that would always bite me um and that was (laughs) and that was that was a lesson that I had to learn the hard way but I think like there's a part of me that's like if I'm noticing something I want to say something about it so just like a a little quick story like I was dating this one guy and we were just kind of like talking and getting to know each other and he had asked me a question and I had disagreed with him about it and I remember he got really upset and he was like you know what maybe we can just be friends like he didn't want to like keep talking he just wanted to be friends and I was like all right fine like I guess so then we were just hanging out as friends and then he felt like really connected to me and I was like well like you know like I don't feel the same way as you do and I will say like to his credit I did butcher this conversation really bad um and made it seem like it was something worse it was more like you feel very bonded and connected because we've connected on the things that matter to you but like I want to also focus on things that matter to me I didn't say it that way if I would have said it that way I'm sure we could have avoided a bigger issue um but then after that he was like I don't want to see you anymore and I was like that's fine if you don't want to see me anymore but I was like, but I've noticed that every time that we've had some sort of disagreement and we haven't seen eye to eye, that you retreat. So, you know, like, if you don't want to see me, that's fine. But I encourage you to look at yourself and ask yourself, like, why did you retreat every time that there was an issue rather than facing it head on and talking about it? And man, did that shit blow up in my face. So it's, (laughs) so I do feel like I was justified in bringing up. I'm like, this is a pattern. The the mental professional in me wants you to examine it, Uh. but it does kind of sometimes come back to bite you in the ass i mean granted I, i'm glad that we're not dating each other because like if this is your pattern i don't want any parts of it so i do feel like it benefited me in the long term but i know that sometimes when i enter into that dynamic where i start to bring out people so when i start to point out people's patterns or ways of behaving and showing up people don't oh, like no. that Listen, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I don't even like that. Like, let's say I just met you and you're like, oh, Sasha, you did this thing. I would feel so violated almost like and not to say that you did anything wrong. I'm just I'm just saying that I completely comprehend why people don't like it. And I I genuinely try not to do that when I'm with people or we're just having a good time. Like that is something that I had to practice because it just it like you said, it is innate in me. And it's also innate because there's this part of me that wants to control everything. That is who I am. Like, that's how that's mm. how I coped when I was little. It, I just wanted to make sense of the world. So it just happens naturally. I'm not trying to be judgmental or come neg- come with negative energy towards you. It, it was my coping mechanism. And I, I've learned how to dial that back and just say, oh, okay, let them be in their misery. But don't you dare ask me for my opinion because I already told you I cannot lie. So if you're asking me for my opinion, you better get ready because it might hurt. <laughs> um, but... I just wanted to say, going back to what you were talking about dating, I think that that's where a lot of my anger comes from. I did, <laughs> I did date men, obviously. <laughs> not obviously. I do date men. Not obviously. Not obviously. <laughs> uh, obviously for me. I do date men. And my experience with men and my identity as a, as a therapist 
has always been very hot and cold, right? I'm so smart. I'm so this. It's very attractive, but don't you dare do it to me. And it's like, well, you can't tell me to turn myself off because you don't like it because I'm not asking you to do that. Because once we get into that realm, I could be a real petty and be like, you need to turn that shit off. You need to stop being this. You need to stop doing that. And and that that's when I become problematic and too, you know, quote unquote crazy. And I think this is why we get a bad rep, right? Also, I was single for a very long, not for a very long time, but I was single, single, like single, not talking to anybody, not even dating anybody, nothing. Because as a counselor, it's as a therapist, like, yeah, I have the skill to be like, yo, you're just feeding me bullshit right now. You need to go check yourself. And my interest would go away right away. And I think a lot of people show up like that. Yeah, I also feel like I. this reminds me of a story. I was talking to this guy and he was saying like, oh, you know, I work a lot, you know, but I like affection. But when I, you know, but when I go into work mode, like I kind of shut that, shut that out. And he was just talking a lot of stuff. And I was like, you have avoided attachment. <laughs> And I was like, and I have anxious attachment. And avoidant attachment and anxious attachment are not a fucking mix. So I was like, peace out, bro. I want zero parts of this. I will. You're going to tell me you're not good at clinical? I didn't tell him. I, I, I will say. And I didn't even, like, really get into, into him and how he had anxious attachment. Because I don't, that's besides the point. But... All that to say, I I did learn my lesson from the guy that I had dated before, the one where I had pointed out the pattern. So I didn't tell the guy that he had anxious attachment. But I will say, I was like, I'm dipping the fuck up out of here because I I think good therapists are good people who like you don't have to be a therapist. People who understand this well. It's really hard living in the world Mm. sometimes, and that that will affect your personal life. Because like, let's say you're at work, right, and you're like, yo. I can't stand this person because I see X, Y, and Z in them. And it, it's not an opinion because you see it. It's it's something that I think that everybody gives you, you know, we we communicate phys- like non-verbally all the time with each other. And so now that I know how to read these signs, I'm like, oh, I want to be so far away from you, but now I got to work with you. Or, you know, like you're at a party and you got to be nice to somebody. You don't like it. Like, fuck. Like, I don't know how to do it. Like, for me, it's just like, if I see something in you that, doesn't vibe with me and it's this is my personal life like I don't want to feel like I'm at work but when I'm at work and I I have that feeling with other people it takes a lot of energy out of and it's kind of like seeing something that other people don't always notice I think sometimes I also find that people who think that they're doing a really good job of hiding their pain are not (laughs) that okay and I'm like bro right through you but nice that is my one flaw when I see you're in pain the helper in me is like, come, let me love you. And I'll be like, I know you're sad. And then that, <laughs> I will make people cry. <laughs> I will make people cry. And Crystal knows this. And then I'll feel super bad because they weren't ready for it. And now I'm like, fuck, how the hell am I going to let this person go back out into the world now? And I'm, they're not my clients. They're, this is not what they're here to do. Like, yeah, I have to work on that. <laughs> I will say when it comes to the whole analyzing thing, I feel like I only do it in close, like romantic relationships. Like I, I will say that's the area where I, I personally need to work on. I've gotten a lot better. Um, I will give myself the credit, but I think that the reason why I've made so much progress is because even at work before this current job that I have now, um, but in previous social work roles, I think I learned very quickly that 
people will only accept help when they're ready for it. So I think that for me, I started to realize like people are not out here trying to hear they're sad because the fact that they're trying to hide it either means that they're not ready for it. Maybe they just haven't noticed it overall. So I will say I learned that lesson while I was working as a social worker. So I think I was I was able to very quickly turn it off. When it came to other people, I think that in those relationships closest to me is where I struggle. But I think that's why it's difficult in romantic relationships is because there's a there's a level of vulnerability that needs to be there that other relationships you don't need that or you don't need vulnerability to that extent so I think for me it's more like of a protective thing like I'm like let me try to understand you to see if you're someone that I can bring into my life on a personal level so that's an area for me where I still need work that even though I'm a mental health professional (laughs) I you know still you know we all still have work to do and that's why we're even here on this oh yeah like what you're talking about is lack of trust you know you learn not Mm. to trust and because I, I, I can relate mm-hmm. to it super well. And I also think that in the times that I bring out my skills on in my personal life, like I, I have been very, I think the older I got, the older I am, the more I recognize, oh, I'm doing this thing where I'm trying to protect myself. And that's undoing your own stuff and being objective. I try and put it away. But when I really don't feel safe, it's also a positive thing for me because then I know that the person that I'm with is not for me. And it doesn't necessarily just have to be like uh, romantic. It can be friendship. It can be, you know, a work, even like a work environment. I had an experience where I was experiencing a whole lot of trauma just with my boss because this person was doing things to me. Not that this sounds, this sounds like bad, but they were enacting the same things that I've experienced with other people that I already knew that I did not want. So I ended up leaving. And it's good that you know yourself because this is going to help you figure out what's good for you and also like how to approach it with other people. No, I agree. Um, And I think again, social work, Sasha was like, it's a lack of trust. And I'm like, okay, there goes that hard dose of truth. I mean, I already knew that, but but you mean mental health counselor, Sasha? Because I am definitely not a social worker. Y'all, I'm out here making enemies. Cause this is a- you're right. You're right. My bad. My bad for associating you with my people. Okay? My bad. I'm sorry, social workers of the world, <laughs> that I included Sasha in, <laughs> in our category. Uh... Um, but the last thing I did want to talk about is a little bit more of the mental health movement I don't know how much of a movement it is I think it's a movement in my mind I don't know how much of a movement it is for other people um but I do feel like in the past decade or so maybe a little less um but in the last decade or so I do feel like there's been a bit more awareness about mental health just overall in well at least in the U.S. and about people being a little bit more honest about going to therapy about people focusing a little bit more on their wellness and mental health being a big part of that a lot of people have been more open publicly about talking about the fact that they're going to therapy or that they're seeing someone and you know I've heard podcasts seeing YouTube videos you know interviews and things like that where celebrities and high profile people or just others with platforms have really talked about um, mental health and how important it is to them and 
just bringing light awareness and just kind of taking away a lot of the stigma of seeking mental health services. Um, Because I will say, even for myself as a mental health professional, when I was in grad school, it was the norm to say that you were in therapy. Because that's part of your training. Like part, It's not a mandatory part of your training that you seek mental health services of any sort. But it is it's kind of like an unknown, like an unspoken rule that you should seek services because you want to make sure as a mental health professional that like you don't bring your own traumas, your own shit into the things with your clients. You don't want to project your own issues to them. But I remember even talking about it within my school. With But I remember outside of that, outside of them, I did not tell anyone that I was going to like therapy. Like my mom knew, my best friend knew. And my therapist knew. Like, you know, like, those were the only people who who knew that I was uh, seeking therapy. And I think this is even the first time that I'm very publicly saying that mm. I've been to therapy, I'm still in therapy, and then I'm, I'm working on those issues. But I think that I'm happy to see that we've shed a lot more light on it because I do think that it's important. So I'm going to sound crazy negative right now. I agree with everything you said. I do think that there is more awareness a lot of celebrities, uh, a lot of people in the spotlight who reach out to different people are admitting that they do this thing called therapy and they have issues and they've dealt with whatever disorders they have themselves. However, it kind of feels like on the surface for me, it feels very cookie cutter. But I also think that a lot of movements are like that. So I have to, you know, I'm not a believer in, not that I'm not a believer in it. It's just, I think that in order to create change, you have to start small. Like anything too drastic is going to literally eventually catapult us back even more than when we first started. So like, I think changes are small and gradual. So I do appreciate that. However, it's not, I I still don't think that the way it's spoken about and the way you see it in the media is enough. I think that everybody in their life, regardless if you're in training or not, regardless if you're an accountant or if you have like a different kind of way of seeing the world, you should always be in a position in your life where you're being introspective and therapy is a beautiful tool for that and therapy is is a luxury Mm -hmm. it's a privilege because not everybody has the opportunity to go to therapy do not wait until you're like 40 50 and you're like now you have 40 50 years of shit of your personality and your behavioral patterns to undo because if you would have started earlier it would have been beneficial for you and to those around you okay that is a fact I think that therapy still needs to, the, the idea of therapy like and how it goes down and what happens between these two people in a room needs to be uh, focused on a little more because, for example, I know someone and they are, they do identify as Latinx and I remember they know someone else who's in therapy and we were talking about them and they're smart. And that has nothing to do with being smart. It just means they're aware. And immediately when I was saying something about this particular person who is in therapy, their first reaction was, oh, I'm so surprised they still do that. I thought they were in therapy. So that already for me shows that, okay, people don't get what it is, right? They mm-hmm. it, they still parallel it to, I think, what our, our medical model looks like in the United States, where you go to the doctor, mm-hmm. you take a pill, and you're good. I mean, yes, if you're seeing a psychiatrist and you're taking medication, it's because you need it. Although I have a, I think we give out medication too much, <laughs> too easily, especially with people of color. I, But I also think that, yes, this is health, but it looks different and people are having a hard time understanding that. I agree. I absolutely hear everything that you're saying. And I think you're right. I think that 
you know, it kind of goes back to what we were saying, what I was saying about like, I don't have a magic wand in my back pocket that all of a sudden someone who goes on their journey or is in therapy shouldn't be behaving or doing things in a certain way. And I do agree with you about it looking a lot like still people still associating it a lot with the medical model. But I do also think that we need to start somewhere and I would rather be like, you know, kind of like therapy, like you have to start at some point. And then you as as time goes on, you gradually gets better. So I hope that, you know, with this podcast and with everyone else bringing light to these uh, types of things that you know we we do get to the point where we stop seeing uh, mental health through the medical model and then we start to you know get rid of those ideas that oh like they're in therapy they shouldn't be doing that mm. anymore because I think that also speaks to a lot of the things that we were talking about that you know it, it's problematic and it causes a lot of issues also everyone else everyone's journey is different there are people who are going to therapy at 50 and have to kind of like examine 50 years worth of what you know whatever they've they've experienced there's people who are starting at 16 17 20 whatever and you know like there's still a lot of room for growth and change and things like that but no matter what age you're going to therapy or examining your mental health i think that no matter what it is the most beautiful beneficial thing and i'm not just saying that as a mental health because i'm a mental health professional i'm saying that because focusing on my mental health has literally changed my life ask Mm. anyone who knew me on a personal level who i was 10 years ago and who i am now and it is a drastically different person um and i will say i'm I'm watching a tv show now that i watched 10 years ago and even just my perspective watching the show and i think back to what i thought when i watched the show 10 years ago and what i what i think now is completely different and i at first like i found the show very like triggering and i was like oh my god and i had empathy for the main character now i'm fucking laughing through Mm -hmm. that whole thing because i think it's hilarious so you know like you you change um and i think that um, mental health has been a huge part of that. Mm. I hope that everyone listening starts or continues with their journey. Amen. I told you it was my religion. I know I sound like a hardcore nerd, but I I am. I I guess I am. This is this is what I love. And I don't think that similarly to Crystal, and I think you said it really nicely that I will not I would not be the person that I am today without the study of psychology and without understanding myself and without going to therapy and without choosing to interact with people and choosing to be uncomfortable knowing that I'm uncomfortable because I have certain behavioral patterns that may not always be effective for me so let me just switch it up and it's definitely helped me be brave and be better and that is something that I want to give back to people as well so I think that that for me is how is, is what it means to me and how I take it with me every single day. All right, that was our episode. Thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, we would love to hear maybe a little bit why you're listening to us. Is it because you want to start your mental health journey? Is it that you're in the middle of it? You've considered it? Did any of this stuff resonate with you? Uh, we would love to hear more about it. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Never Told Us Pod. And you can also email us at nevertoldispod at gmail.com. And make sure to come back next week so we can tell you what they never told us.